podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town. Scott's making a list, Grant's checking it twice, they're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketball's coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Sadly, Grant is being a bell ringer for the Salvation Army, giving back to the community. But don't worry, I grabbed the guy who was supposed to be the original co-host of this podcast way back when I coined the name Bosco's Boys back in 2015. It's the beat writer. He's your beat writer at the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. He goes by many names, the one who wears socks with sandals, K-Dog, but... Officially, he is Kellis Robinette. Kellis, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm a little nervous, though. I, I know this is really my one chance to uh, swoop back in and get that co-host job. I got I to gotta push Grant out here. Well, I'm, I'm not going to get into any exacts, but, you know, you, you, you kind of are uh, hitting the podcast circus, circuit a little heavy for my liking. So if we're going to get you on a little bit more, we might have to talk off air on uh, what we need to do to remedy that. You don't have to comment. I I can always cut out John Kurtz's show. That's fine. Well, that's not the one I was talking about, but we'll (laughs) we'll keep moving on. Uh, It's been uh, an eventful eventful times in the world of K State athletics. Um, All sorts of stuff. We're going to start off with a little bit of football talk, despite it being full fledged basketball season. But football really pays the bills, despite what three random people on Twitter wish. Um, This is the last time I personally want to get into it, but I have a feeling you have a little bit more insight into this than I do. Uh, What led to K-State's dropping to the Liberty Bowl? I I, I was talking at the whiskey event before the Marquette game and at the Marquette game with folks who are pretty big donors. I even, even talked to some folks uh, who work in the athletic department, and even Stan and Wyatt post-game on the, uh, at the end of the radio broadcast was saying that it sounds like it's going to be the Alamo Bowl and Camping World Bowl. And Wyatt went as far as saying that it will 100 he didn't say 100%, but he said in pretty definitive terms that Memphis is not even on the table. What happened in between, you know, 6, 7, 8 o'clock when I was having those conversations when Wyatt went on the air and said that at the end of the broadcast to Selection Sunday to see the Cats drop all the way down to the Liberty Bowl? Yeah, so it was pretty random how it all shook out there for a while. It was certainly looking like Kansas State would end up in San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl, and people at Kansas State were really confident in it. Um, I had people telling me as soon as uh, Utah lost in the Pac-12 
12 championship game that, that more or less sewed up their, their spot in San Antonio for that game. Um, but I, I guess what some people overlooked was that for whatever reason, the Alamo bowl only wanted Kansas state, if they could partner them up against uh, USC, they really liked that game for some reason, Kansas state versus USC, but they didn't like Kansas state, Utah. So when Utah lost so badly in the Pac-12 championship game that they fell out of the New York, New Year's six bowls, basically that's what triggered. That was the domino that triggered Kansas state's downfall. Um, the Alamo bowl, wanted to have one team in the game that would bring in some eyeballs and boost their TV ratings. And K-State and Utah didn't do that for them. So basically at the last minute, once they saw that uh, they were going to have to take Utah instead of USC, they switched everything up and said, now we want Texas. We'll bring him in there and we'll see where Kansas State ends up. It's kind of weird that something that can ha- happens in a different conference can have that effect. But um yeah, I would have thought after that the Kansas State would fall to the Camping World. But, you know, bowl games are, are kind of weird. Uh, the Camping World Bowl last year was uh, all set to choose Iowa State. That's who they thought they were going to pick. And then uh, the Alamo, Alamo Bowl came in and said, no, we want them instead. And kind of surprisingly picked them instead of West Virginia, which was ranked higher. Um, so I think that played into it that uh, the Orlando Bowl just said, you know what, we were really close to having them last year. We like their fan base and everything, so let's bring them in now. Um, and then the Texas Bowl, they've never had Oklahoma State. And Kansas State was just there a few years ago, and they played Texas A&M, which is the SEC team in that game. So it's kind of it's kind of weird that Kansas State was one of only two teams considered for the Alamo Bowl, which was the top of the pecking order. But then for whatever reason, not really considered for two and three, so they end up in four at the Liberty Bowl. Um, that's That's pretty much how it shook out. Yeah, it is crazy to see it shakes out, and it kind of brings my question, and you may or may not have an answer to this, but the Big 12 Conference, because I did you know, exhaustive research, a.k.a. about 25 minutes this morning when I was throwing this together, but almost every single other Power 5 Conference has in their language when it comes to bowl selection that they're going to have an input. The Big 12 expressively says on their website that – any bowl can pick any bowl-eligible team. Additionally, the Big 12 is going to be the only conference next year that is going to start the next five-year cycle without switching any bowl agreements around at all. Um, a, do you have any reason, like any thoughts as to why the Big 12 is so laissez-faire on that? And B, do you have any idea why they're not they're the only conference that isn't shuffling something around? the 2020 to 2024 cycle. Right. Um, well, to answer your second, the B part of that question first, um, I, I would say I think it is probably time for the Big 12 to shake some things up. I, I would love it if they bring the Holiday Bowl back um, or just add in something else different because uh, especially this year from Kansas State's perspective, when you were looking at the possible bowls, um, the only one that would have been a new experience for them was in Orlando for the Camping World Bowl. They've been to Phoenix a bunch. They were just in, in Houston. They've been to San Antonio. Um, so, yeah, other than Orlando, they've they've done it all. And it, it, it that's just kind of, you know, kind of sad in some ways. You would kind of hope that they would mix it up and give you a little bit different experience with some things. Um, and, and maybe that changes once, uh, you know, the, Las, the new Las Vegas Bowl shake out. Maybe they get involved, something like that. Um, I couldn't really tell you why they chose not to not to change things in that area. I think probably they're just comfortable with the 
bowling arrangements that they have. Um, that'd be probably a good question for somebody at the conference office. Maybe we should look into that. Um, but I, I wish they would change it. I think it's time to shake things up. And uh, <clears throat> the first part of your question, I believe basically the reason the Big 12 deci- has decided to let the Bulls just have their way with everything is more or less that they think that um, makes them the most marketable conference toward Bulls by giving them the most control. So then when it does come time to change things up and bring in new bowls, they see that and say, oh, well, if we go with the Big 12, we can pick whoever we want. And that's opposed to like the Big 10, where it's not really even dictated by how you finish. It's based on what bowls you've been in before. The SEC kind of just uh, chooses the bowls for its teams. I, I like the rules in the, the Pac-12 where it's mostly based on standings, but there's a rule in place where you if a team finishes say third in the conference standings and is uh, more than one game up in set standings above the next place team, they can't get jumped for a bowl. So you would see a team just free for all who had a better season. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the big 12 uh, should look at something like that. Um, but by the same token, if you started doing that, then maybe there would be some situations where, uh, the same team finishes fourth like three straight years and has to go to the same bowl three straight times. And nobody would really love that. So I, I think that's part of it, too. They just want to have flexibility for everybody involved. And, you know, reasonable, reasonable people can disagree on uh, whether that's a good thing or not. Well, I think I'm just going to nominate myself as Big 12 Bulls are and I'll make all the decisions for everyone. So um, I'll, well, that sounds I'll, good. Yeah, I'll let I'd you know what it. the Big 12 says. So. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to move on past all of that type of nonsense. Quite, quite frankly, I'm, uh, I, I've gotten over like my little mini meltdown. We get to play a top 25 team in Navy. So, uh, I, now that I got some concrete answers from a big J journalist like you, I, I feel satisfied. So my, my next, and I, oh, I, I've, I've actually, I've actually, you know, I, I didn't want the Liberty Bowl when it first came out just cause I didn't like the experience a few years ago, but I, I've warmed up to it. It's growing on me. I think it'll be a good game, and, and they've changed enough things up about the experience since back then. I, I think it'll be a fresh uh, – it won't be a, you know, like a carbon copy of what we had last time. So it, it's growing on me. I think it'll be all right. Well, the stadium sucks so much that I have no ambition on going, even though there's been pleas from uh, you know the Case Athletic Department to really sell it out and have a good showing to help in the future. But sorry, Gene, I love you, but I, that stadium sucks, and uh, I'm, I'm not The stadium is it. bad. The stadium is, like, falling apart. I'll give you that. It's like, it, so I think Vanderbilt Stadium was worse. And I, I mean, if I'm if I'm going to put on my purple glasses, I could make a case that maybe Memorial Stadium was worse. But I don't truly believe that. I think Liber- the Liberty Bowl is the second worst stadium I've ever watched K-State play in. I watched K-State play at North Texas once. That's that's the oh. only in the in the last game that was ever played in North Texas's old stadium. That, that was worse, but that's been, been about the only thing I've come across. Yeah, I feel bad that you had to go to that one. So we will we will move on. And this is a question that I I don't know if anyone knows for certain yet. Uh, and all we can do is project. But it really was well rumored, and some would say documented. If you talk to players off the record. Um, that Bill Snyder rarely even prepared for the bowl opponent, used the bowl as almost a more intense version of how he does spring practice. Um, do we have any idea on how Chris Kleiman is going to handle bowl practices or how he's going to use these extra practices over the next three weeks? We've got a little idea. He hasn't gotten 
really deep into that. This will be his first time coaching for a bowl game, so I don't know that he's 100% set on how he's going to do it. But I think it'll be a mixture. He's made it pretty clear that he wants to spend as much time as he can giving um, young players who didn't get a whole lot of playing time this season opportunities to showcase their skills in practice and develop uh, during December when when they have these extra practices. So I, I think that, um, you know, they'll prep as much as they can for the game. They're not just going to blow it off or anything like that. Uh, they'll give an appropriate amount of practice time to the seniors and, and the players who are going to be playing in this game. But I think it'll be kind of a 50-50 split. I think he wants to uh, uh, win this game while also building toward next year as much as possible. I like that. I, I can I can get on board with that. Although I, I really want to win. I want I've already started workshopping different tweets I'm gonna have if K State gets a nine win season oh. and finishes in the top twenty five. I'm already you know, I'm a Twitter troll extraordinaire. I'm already doing my homework on some of the stuff I'm gonna fire off. So I I desperately need a win in this game, so a month in advance. Well, that's why you're so good at it. Yeah, you know they they don't they don't call me Scott Wildcat, the Twitter king, for nothing. Um, they actually don't call me that. That's all right. <laughs> um, so, what what is your opinion on K State playing Navy, and especially how they match up with that triple option offense? Um, is that you know at least in my opinion almost the worst case scenario to play a uh, offense like that that they may they won't see until army comes to town in like five years so when you're trying to get those young reps for the defensive players it's almost a a non-starter um am i off base in saying that or how do you think that matchup is going to play out over practice and then in the game well it's definitely interesting in the fact that um navy averages i believe it's fifth best in the country, six yards per rush. And Kansas State allowed 4.9 yards per rush. I guess teams a season, which was uh, tied, I think, with Kansas for worst in the Big 12. So <sighs> not ideal in that perspective, and that Kansas State's defense was really more built on stopping the pass this season than the run. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, they haven't played an option defense, so we don't really know if they're good or bad against it. The, the teams that beat them up on the ground were like Oklahoma State that ran the ball up the middle and did some tricky things with their offensive line. So that won't be the case here. Um, the one thing that will, I think, play to Kansas State's advantage in this game is that they will have pretty much the entire bowl preparation to work on just this. There's only one thing to prepare for. It's not like they're going to come out in the spread or all these trick plays or anything like that. Now, obviously, the the triple option is hard to defend, but if you get a month, 15 full practices uh, dedicated to stopping it, I think they can figure it out. And um, Scotty Hazelton has defended it before when he was the defensive coordinator at Wyoming against the Air Force. Chris Kleiman saw it when he was in North Dakota State. Uh, Georgia Southern ran it. Uh, there are quite a few FCS schools that um, go that route and use triple option. I've seen that uh, from a handful of teams down at that level, so... I, I, I'm intrigued. Um, I wouldn't just sit back and say that their Navy's going to run all over them or anything like that. I, I think uh, while it's not an ideal matchup, I think Kansas State has plenty of time to prepare for it and get ready. So you mentioned that Scotty Hazelton and Chris Kleiman both have experience defending that. How much of an asset is it that these coaches have seen it before or would fans maybe overvalue that fact? Because at the end of the day, if you get to that, this level 
of college football as a defensive coach, you should be able to come up with a game plan. Yeah, I, I think it's probably overvalued a little bit. Um, it would be more important if there were players on the team who had like transferred in and, and uh, played against it before. I think that would be more helpful just because when you actually get out there and have to choose who to defend and who to target on every play, I'm sure that's restful. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Can you? How many times has Kansas State defended the options? Do you remember this season? I, uh, I can't really tell you how many times teams ran against them. Not often. Yeah, yeah, so not much. Um, and, you know, Kansas State pulled that out uh, against Oklahoma and in Kansas when they weren't really expecting it. So you see for the first time it can be a, a nuisance. Um, but at the same time, this, de- this defense has been ready for just about everything else they saw this season other than that one Oklahoma State game. So I'm, I'm not too overly concerned about it. But it will be very interesting because, like you said, this is the only time we'll get to see Kansas State play against an option opponent until Army comes in town. Yep, this is the final direct question, so maybe I'll uh, press you for some predictions right at the end. But do you get the vibe that it is like important for the program to win this bowl game, or do you more get the vibe that the valuable part of this experience is the extra practice for the team and being able to champion the fact that they made a bowl in that first season when – nobody was really predicting them to do so. Well, I mean, I, I think it's important that they win the bowl game for sure. Um, but at the same time, I, I think most fans, if you'd have told them coming into the season that they would make a bowl and win eight games, I think most people would have taken that. So it, it's already a success no matter what happens in Memphis. So it's not a do-or-die type game, but it's kind of like, you know, the cherry on top of a Sunday or whatever. Yeah, you'll you'll still drink it if it's not there, but you prefer it to be there. And if you can build for the future at the same time, that's all the better. I, I guess the the one um, reason that a win here would be maybe more important than it has been recent seasons is I would say Navy is probably the first bowl opponent Kansas State has played in several years that will be excited about the game. Um, I mean, think about some of the last matchups. UCLA, when they beat them in Phoenix, they didn't want to be there. Um, Texas A&M and Houston for that Texas Bowl, they probably didn't want to be there. Um, you probably have to go back to, like, uh, yeah, Michigan. They didn't want to be in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. You probably have to go back to, like, UCLA when they played in the Alamo Bowl um, to a game when, you know, both teams involved were 100% into it and really wanted to win. So I, I think that would be a nice feather in, in Chris Kleiman's, in Chris Kleiman's cap that – now, I don't do uh, do they win a bowl game, but they do it against a team that wants to be there. And I'll tell you what, Navy's ranked, and Kansas State's just outside the rankings. If they win this game, they'll probably finish in the top 25. So that would be very, uh, very beneficial. Yeah, I like I said, I, I need them to finish in that top 25. Um, we'll move on to something that definitely has been far from a success to this point, and that's the basketball team. Um, what, I mean, what's going on with them? Is it as simple as like pointing to the new big three and McCall Mayween, Xavier Sneed and Cartier Jada and saying that they just have not evolved into the type of players a team like K-State needs for the big three, or is there something else to it? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's probably just that simple. Um, I, I'm guilty as anybody of thinking that those guys would just instantly be better and become uh, leaders and they wouldn't miss much. Uh, they wouldn't miss Barry Dean and Kamau as much as they have. Um, I, I thought this team would 
win 20 games without much trouble. And, uh, you know, that's on me. I probably over overvalued Dijuan Gordon coming in and helping as a uh, true freshman. I probably thought Mac was going to improve a little bit more than he has. And um, it's, it's just kind of weird. I, I, there's talent there. I mean, Xavier and Cartier, they're two of the, you know, they could probably start on just about any team in the conference. But just the pieces that are there right now, they're not really complementing each other as well as I would have thought. The one thing that keeps uh, sticking out in my mind is just the shooting. Um, I mean, I know Kansas State's never been an offensive juggernaut under Bruce Weber, but shooting's really been an adventure this year. And if you look at what what what's the main thing that Barry, uh, Dean, and Kamal brought last season other than leadership and all that stuff, they were the team's three best shooters. And defenses had to be aware of where they were at all times. And when they gave the ball up, they created open shots for Cardi. And that created open shots for Xavier. And now those aren't really there for him. I mean, last year when Xavier was playing at his best, he was hitting open corner threes and throwing down lob dunks. And those two things aren't really there for him this season. So until somebody can step up and, and help him out and um, make some shots and fill the offensive void left by those three guys, we're probably going to keep seeing what we have. One of the guys in Granite versus far less competition than, that, than they've been seeing recently that helped out on offense and, quite frankly, on defense as well was Montavious Murphy, who's been out with an injury. Could you have ever have imagined that Montavious Murphy was going to seemingly have such a big impact on how this team played back before the season started? No, I, I would not have envisioned that. Um, and I suppose if you're looking for a ray of sunshine, Kansas State is 3-0 and when Montavious Murphy is healthy and in the starting lineup. So... Uh, when he comes back, I'm sure that'll help. It'll probably help more than some of us uh, probably would, would think. Um, even though he doesn't, you know, light up the stat sheet, he does a lot of the small things right, and he doesn't foul, and he can stay on the floor and eat up minutes and play solid defense and get the ball to others. So that's something that they're missing. Um, they might get him back tomorrow against Alabama State. Bruce Weber told me today it would come down to how he practice, how uh, he looks in practice today. Um, so we'll see. Um, they, they could use him back uh, sooner than later. They want to be cautious. I, I don't know that him joining the lineup fixes everything, but it definitely helps. Well, I personally think it is going to fix everything. We won't lose a game ever again once he's back in the starting lineup. So stop trying to bring me down. All right. No, you're, <laughs> you're right. I probably overstated going the other way. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're recording this on uh, the Tuesday afternoon before the Alabama State game. Uh, which is going to be later on this evening if you're listening to it on release day. Um, so what do you think is going to be in the cards when this team plays Alabama State on Wednesday? And then what do you think is going to be waiting for them in New Jersey when they play Mississippi State? Well, they'll beat Alabama State with or without Murphy. Um, they're rated number 318 in Kimpom. And if there's one thing Kansas State can do, this year, it's uh, beat teams ranked 300 or higher in Ken Palm. They, uh, they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff by double digits, which is number 339. They beat Florida a by double digits, which is 340. Um, I mean, they're going to have a really nice-looking uh, record in the SWAC uh, after all, <laughs> all this is said and done. Um, but, but after that, you know, Mississippi State's going to be, man, that's going to be a tough game. Um, it's just kind of weird that they're playing that in Newark, but... Uh, that'll be a toss-up game. I'm not really what, sure what to expect there. Um, that That's the one they could really use Montavious Murphy back for. 
And then, uh, you know, St. Louis, I'd probably pick Kansas State in that game in Kansas City, but who knows? And then Tulsa, I, <laughs> I've been picking them to beat Tulsa the last two years, and it hasn't happened. So maybe maybe this is the year it finally happens. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting run of games for the team. Um, final question before I get you to do some predictions, and I'll ask you some qu- Christmas questions to wrap up the podcast. But how have your expectations changed from where they were preseason to where we're sitting here on December 10th when it comes to this basketball team? Well, they've pretty much flip-flopped. Um, like I was saying earlier, I I probably was uh, – I, I don't know why I was so confident in this team, but I, uh, I, I really thought they would – this would be a lot like um, that season when Marcus Foster and Wesley Wundu were freshmen and they had Will Spradling as a senior helping them out. Uh, I, I thought this team would win right at around 20 games, make the NCAA tournament, um, you know, pr- rather comfortably, not even really be on the bubble. Um, and it, it's just not gone that way. Um, you know, Bruce Weber's teams have always kind of gotten things figured out around Christmas. So there's still time. I'm not completely writing them off, but my expectations have, have dropped quite a bit. Um, I'm, I, I wouldn't currently project them as an NCAA tournament team. I think they'd even have a hard time making the NIT at this point. All right, well, we're going to get into predictions, uh, and we'll probably come back to that postseason prediction here in a second. But first, give me a way-too-early bowl game score prediction. We're not going to hold you to it. You can change it around when you put out your official prediction on the Kansas City Star website. But if you're sitting here right now, gun to your head, what do you think the score is going to be? Give me Kansas State 27, Navy 24. I, I think they defend the triple option good enough to win, and uh, Blake Lynch wins it on a field goal or something like that. Oh, that would be – oh, I, I would like – I'd like that ending. And also, real quick, how did Blake Lynch get so screwed over by the coaches in the postseason voting? Uh, yeah, another good question. Um, I voted I voted him as the – I think first team kicker on the AP team, the media team. So maybe he'll get honored there. Um, there were just some other kickers who in the conference who only, who only missed one or two kicks all season long. Same. I don't know if, uh, if they took everything into consideration there on how far the distance was for everybody's t- kicks or whatnot, but it was just a tough year in the big 12 for kickers for whatever reason. Who was your AP fullback? Uh, they did not ask us to vote for fullback. Oh, I would have voted Jack Stanine. The AP is dead to me. I Oh, man, <laughs> I'm steamed. Fullback's just getting disrespected. Oh, I, I don't think I'm ever going to recover from this. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to move on. I'm, I'm a professional podcaster, so I have to move on. Um, you, you kind of flirted with this question earlier. Uh, what do you think the record is going to be in the basketball team's final four games before conference play? Again, Alabama State, Mississippi State up in Newark, St. Louis and Kansas City, and Tulsa and Bramlage. Uh, I set the over-under at two and a half. I, I want to say three and one, but they've disappointed me so far. So I'll probably say two and two. They, they split Ooh. the next four. That'd be my guess. I don't like where this is going, um, so I'm gonna ke- I'm gonna keep trucking through. Um, where do you think K State finishes in the Big Twelve this season? Uh, I can't pick them last, but um, I'm not laughing at the Big Twelve preseason poll anymore. Uh, I think they probably finish ninth. And oh, the coaches will get it right. 
starting to show your stripes. And I really don't like where this is about to be. Does K-State make it to the NCAA tournament, the NIT, or are they staying home for spring break in 2020? I hope I'm wrong. I like covering the NCAA tournament, and uh, I, I want I want to see Xavier Sneed go out uh, with one more one more dance. But uh, right now, I think they don't make any postseason. They they got to get things turned around Ugh. before I can before I can predict anything like that. I don't like it. So, I, I, God, my heart's broken. So we're gonna try to fix things a little bit because I am a massive fan of Christmas. I'm actually wearing a reindeer and Christmas tree sweater right now as we speak. So I'm going to ask you these questions. I sent them in to uh, our friend John Kurtz and Wyatt for Powercat Insider or whatever they call their Monday show. He only asked a couple of these, but I'm I'm, I'm looking at my tweet right now. I'm going to ask you to answer all of these. So the first one is, and I think I know this one. I think we're on the same page for this one. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Christmas Vacation, starring Chevy Chase. Yes, it is amazing. I do. You, do you still? You don't change your Twitter Abby for that anymore, do you? Oh, I need. Well, thanks for reminding me. I need to go do that. Uh, I've already watched Christmas Vacation once this December. Had the first viewing in. Uh, probably do it again. But yeah, thanks for reminding me. I was actually just getting bored of my fa- looking at my face on there, so I have to switch back to Chevy Chase. All right. So, and then we're going to put a. Uh, challenge out to all the boneheads right when you get to this part in the podcast and you hear this everyone tweet at jl kurtz a christmas vacation gif or jeff can can i do that too yeah but uh, yeah do it whenever you want uh but or wait until tomorrow morning i don't care once i see once i see some boneheads doing it i'll jump in Okay, so all the boneheads, choose your favorite Christmas vacation gift. Tweet it at JL Kurtz. Don't say anything about the podcast. Don't mention us. Don't mention Callus. Just tweet a bunch of uh, Christmas vacation gifts at JL Kurtz tomorrow morning when you guys listen. Oh, today, right now when you're listening to this. Stop everything unless you're driving and tweet a gif at them. All right, so the next one, gif or jif? I didn't have this on there, but I, I need to know where you stand on. I'm a gift man. Okay, good. All right. We can continue. You're not going to break my heart again. Um, Jeff is peanut butter. Yes, Jeff thank you. The animated, the animated uh, picture. Grant, when he listens to this, will be fuming mad. But guess what? He's not on here, so he just has to deal with it. Uh, the next one is, do you have a fa- favorite Christmas song? Uh, I do. Um Feliz Navidad is my go-to. All right. I like it. You're a Texas boy. It makes sense. Um, are you a Christmas Eve or a Christmas Day fan? Which do you like more? Uh, prob- probably Christmas Day, just because of the uh, the presents, especially once you get some kids. That's uh, the, the best part of the day, for, for sure. Watching their faces light up when they see everything. I mean, uh, Christmas Eve is pretty fun, too. Uh, Boxing Day is not so bad, but g- give me Christmas Day. All right. Do you have a specific Christmas dinner? If so, what does it entail? You know, growing up, my parents were always big on the honey baked ham. Um, that's always what they got. So, uh, you know, after we've already eaten Thanksgiving uh, turkey, things could change up. So I'll, I'll do that. Um, I'll say honey baked ham. Though uh, a few years ago when uh, we were in Phoenix for the bowl game, uh, 
we couldn't find anything open other than Denny's, so just went there and had breakfast. That actually was pretty good. So either a big breakfast or honey baked ham. That's those are my two. All right, I'm reading this right off my tweet in there. This one was not asked to Wyatt, um, but you have to answer. Do you believe Ted Cruz to be the Zodiac Killer? <laughs> um, sure, sure. I wonder why why it wasn't asked that one. Yeah, um, why wouldn't you ask that question? I have no idea. I I agree. I think it's more than fair. Um, uh, two more. Do you put up Christmas lights on your house? I do. I do. All right. Not until the... not until December. I'm not a monster who puts it Ooh. up before Thanksgiving. But uh, yeah, once December rolls around, if the, if it's an, the first nice afternoon that comes along, I'm out there either with a ladder or uh, something else, putting up some some Christmas lights and drinking a Christmas beer. I like it. And then the final one, do you have a real or fake Christmas tree? Well, we have a fake one we put up every year. We we tried a real one once, and it was just a big old mess. So ever, ever since then, we've been fake tree people. All right. Uh, and then breaking news, I know you're a Sporting KC fan. Looks like they just signed Alan Puldio from uh, Chivas Guadalajara. So yeah, my brother deal. was telling me about that. He was he was pumped. Scored uh, like twelve goals in uh, Mexico last year. That sounds like a good sign. Yep, just came through. Um, so I'm glad I could share that with you. All right, that's all I have on the docket. Um, tell all the boneheads where they can find you on Twitter and. Uh, where they should be subscribing to your elite K-State coverage. Uh, yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, just my name, Kellis, at Kellis Robinette, and uh, you can read and subscribe to Everything I Write on KansasCity.com and Kansas.com. And uh, if you haven't seen it, um, uh, it's I believe it's pinned on my Twitter profile, but you can get access right now to everything we write for 30 bucks for, for one year of unlimited coverage. It's a good deal. You should check it out. It is a great deal. I'm actually a recent subscriber. I held out long enough, but I needed my K-State Q&A fix on Fridays and all the great stuff that you put out there. So uh, I'm a recent subscriber, and I'd say any of the boneheads who want some high-quality, big J journalist work should do the same. Um, thanks for hopping on again, everyone be sure to, uh, tweet your Christmas vacation gifts at JL Kurtz. Don't say anything else. Don't even write anything in the tweet, just the picture, uh, just the gift Christmas vacation. We'll see how long it takes them to get in. And, uh, since I forgot to plug them anywhere in the middle of this podcast, thank you to our sponsors, mybookie.ag. use promo code chair for a 100% deposit bonus up to a thousand dollars and bluechew.com if you have trouble getting an erection go to bluechew.com use promo code armchair you get your first month free same fda approved ingredients as viagra and cialis and your first month is free all you have to do is pay a little for shipping so if you want a gambling addiction and a rock hard erection use our sponsors uh kellis thanks for coming on and uh i hope you have a merry christmas i think um, hopefully, well, you, uh, I don't know if the reception's there or not, but hopefully I see you again before Christmas so I can wish you a Merry Christmas in person. If not, enjoy it and also enjoy New Year's Eve in Memphis. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Scott. I'm always uh, thrilled to be on the Bosco's Boys. Thanks for having me on. Perfect. Thank you, and uh, everyone have a good one.
Meet Grant at the Cat Head. All right, there we go. Yeah, I, I, I thought I would... I forgot to curse, darn it. I was going to... Oh, here, we're, we're still running, if you want to say a bad word. Fuck, I forgot to, I forgot to curse. There you go. <laughs> there you go. We love you, boneheads. Uh... <laughs>